everybody. Welcome to Two Minutes and Beyond, the podcast where we review the Toy Story movies two minutes at a time. I'm Macy, and this is Bianca. Hello, everyone. Hello. In this episode, we're going to be talking about minutes 11 and 12 of Toy Story. And 11 and 12 doesn't... It it doesn't sound like it's super far into the movie, but I feel like we've already done a lot. Even though yeah, we really me too. Haven't. I feel like... I guess because also we're watching it over and over and we're reviewing everything, that's why it feels like a lot more (laughs) even Mm -hmm. though it's still the beginning of the movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) we haven't even gotten to buzz yet i know i've never noticed how much there actually is also because i normally don't pause the movie two minutes (laughs) at a time and i'm just watching it as it goes yeah we're gonna we're gonna get to buzz i think in a few episodes though and i'm really excited (laughs) very exciting finally but in this clip, it starts off with the Green Army men looking out at Andy's mom and the kids from behind the pillars in the banister at the top of the stairs. All of these kids are just variations of Andy. I know. <laughs> they all kind of have the same face, the same shape. It's just kind of like the the base like when you go to like deviant arch or something and you see the artist bases and you just draw oh, the yeah. hair and the <laughs> eyes <laughs> yeah they've all just got like different color shirts and pants and hats and things and like slightly different color skin and hair yeah i feel like that was a move they did just to save time also because having to render and create all these different characters for their first movie would have been a whole lot of work. And I feel like Toy Story would not have come out at the time that it did because that would have been a lot of work. (laughs) Plus, I guess humans were hard to create in 3D animation, especially at the time. That's true, because they did say that, you know, it was more difficult to render human skin than it was to do plastic toys. So I feel like that too. They're like, okay, we got this down. Let's just copy and paste. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to know, like, how is Sarge seeing through those binoculars? Because they're... It's just plastic. They're solid plastic. I love that they're just plastic. And he's like, oh, yes, I can see everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's toy logic. It's kind of... Didn't we talk before about how Lenny and there's like, there's Lenny, uh, there's no way that you could see with a toy like Lenny as the binoculars, there's no way you could see that far away that well. Exactly. Not just that. Isn't he supposed to be like one of those little Viewmaster things so you can't even see out of it? It's just the little images. I, I don't think so, but I don't know. I think he's just like cheap little toy binoculars probably so that also have feet for some reason (laughs) there's just strange binocular logic in this movie very strange and you know what i'm all for it because i i never paid attention to this as a child and even now when i'm watching the movies i don't necessarily pay attention to it now that we've brought it up i will pay attention to it a lot more and it'll probably bother me later on (laughs) 
at five seconds, the army man who I, I'm pretty sure is Sarge, but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, signals to the paratroopers who parachute from the top of the stairs to the downstairs hallway. And according to the audio commentary, they thought that like the paratroopers coming down was gonna be this big, like dramatic moment, but it ended up like being one of the the biggest laughs in the movie from audience at, <laughs> at screenings. <laughs> Which it is really funny for some reason. I don't know why. I think it's funny because when you open these things, like in real life, when you're playing with these little toys, they don't open that perfectly. They always <laughs> wind up just falling to the ground so disappointingly so that they open so perfect. You're like, that's not true. <laughs> I think it's also just that like, they're these tiny little like poorly made plastic toy soldiers and yet it's taken like so seriously and the yeah. soldiers take themselves so seriously. They have the <laughs> the full on army mentality even though they're just tiny little plastic toys and they're making this big old like mission out of it. It's just to go see what the presents are. <laughs> yeah, with their with their poor plastic molding and like the little edges of plastic that stick out <laughs> i know they're they're little dollar store toys <laughs> at 14 seconds the paratroopers land look around to make sure the coast is clear and signal to the others to drop the jump rope and the rest of the soldiers slide down the rope to the ground um i was gonna say the the sound that the that the rope makes is like the last soldier is sliding down it's a really nice sound i it's don't know what it is a very satisfying sound it's like one of those like asmrs but it's just a little green man going down the rope i want to know what they actually used for that sound i know they never say i don't think i've ever seen anybody go over like how they made the sound effects for toy story yeah, I'll have to see if I can find um, if I can find something about that because there might be there might be some kind of behind the scenes thing about the the sounds of the movie somewhere. There's got to be. I mean, there's a lot of people that wonder, like, well, how was this made and how was that sound made? And they've made it for other movies too. I've seen other movies, so I would imagine for one of the most iconic movies you would think that they would make something like that for for toy story mm -hmm. also as they're going down the jump rope there's a thing happening in the in the musical score that's called mickey mousing mm -hmm. i don't know where that name came from but um it's like where the the music going on um matches whatever movement is happening on screen so as they're going down the i can't remember exactly what it sounds like but the the music is 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 going down it's like a um uh dang i don't even remember i i don't even remember what it what it sounded like but it's making like the the strings or whatever it is that's playing is like the notes are going like spiraling going down. down with them yeah yeah. You know, I don't notice things like that. I'm the most oblivious person on planet Earth when it comes to watching movies. Well, I I noticed the music mainly because 
I've seen this movie so many times. I think even as a kid, like at some point, I just like started humming along with the music all the time. But also, I'm a musician who wants to work in music for film and television, so I pay attention to that kind of thing. I think that too has a big thing to do with it. Whenever you're in the music industry or you have a music major, you pay attention to every little thing. For me, I'm just like, oh yeah, it's background music. But for you, you analyze it because that's what you went to school for. Yeah. Whereas you might notice more of like the art aspect of it because you're an artist. Right. And I do notice some things. I noticed something a little bit later that made me mad. It shouldn't have made me mad, but it did. I can't wait to hear what it is. It's not even anything big. It's not even noticeable. I just noticed it and I was like, oh, I very don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Also, how long is this jump rope? Because it's like... This jump rope is long. I'm thinking it's one of those ones that you do the double dutch with. Because it can't be a personal one. That's way too long for a personal jump rope. Do most kids have... A jump rope that long, though? I don't know. Maybe it was part of, like, maybe he was in a jump rope, you know, club at school or something. But I didn't think they started you in clubs until, like, middle school or high school. He's, like, what, seven? (laughs) (laughs) He's in, like, first or second grade. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, something. So I don't know why either that or it was just a blender on the mom's part. She probably bought it thinking, oh, a jump rope for Andy. And then it turns out to be like a long jump rope. That could be. So they just keep it for for the little army men. <laughs> Meanwhile, at 27 seconds, in the toys in Andy's room gather around Andy's nightstand to listen to the soldiers report through the baby monitor. Woody turns the baby monitor on and says, and this is how we find out what is in those presents. In the audio commentary, it says that the army men, they pointed out that the army men have the wrong end of the baby monitor. They have like the end that you, that you listen to. And the toys in Andy's room have the end that you talk into. Hmm. And I wouldn't have noticed because I've never been around a baby monitor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have, but not since like my siblings were little enough to need a baby monitor. And that's been a long time. (laughs) And in the original draft of the script, they had written a two way conversation with the baby monitor monitor before they realized that 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 was impossible. Yeah, that would be very impossible. (laughs) I would like to know, how did they get the other end of the baby monitor? Because I feel like probably one end stays in Andy and Molly's room next to Molly's curb. And then the end that you listen into, mom would keep in her bedroom during the night. And they didn't, like, go to mom's room to get it. They just, it just shows them marching out of Andy's room with the, with the, the other end of the baby monitor. This is true. I never thought of that. Maybe, 
Well, no, because she's still a baby. I was going to say maybe they just stopped using it because she's fine. Or maybe they stopped using it because she's in Andy's room now. So if she's crying, Andy now is there so he can take care of her. Poor Andy. That's really sad. (laughs) The mom's like, have fun. She's going to cry like every two hours. (laughs) But if... If she was moved to Andy's room, I feel like she would have been in mom's room before, so they wouldn't have needed a baby monitor at all. Unless she uses it, like, when she's napping, and she keeps both of them in there until she puts her down to nap. She takes the other one, so if she's downstairs in the kitchen, she'll be able to hear her, and when she goes back up, she has everything together so she doesn't misplace it. That could be. I'm smart. I figured it out. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yeah, I just noticed that and I was like, wait a second. Yeah, because usually you have one in one room and one in the other room. I also, I just like that, you know, the toys just kind of use whatever resources they have available to them. Like they have, you know. They need to go listen to Andy's birthday party. They've got the baby monitor. They've got the jump rope to use to get the soldiers down. You know what he's they got? Are very resourceful. Toy, they, his tinker toy podium that he uses. I know. It's like they've figured out. It's like they're. I don't know. It's just kind of like a community. Like I said in the last podcast, like they resourceful they work with each other to make everything work and i think also if they didn't do that it would have been very boring a very boring movie if they weren't resourceful like that well it also just makes like the toy world feel more like real and thought out right more like our world so like it's Mm -hmm. just our world on a smaller scale for them and they use things that you know are similar to what we would use. Yeah. They just use whatever whatever's available to them. Mm-hmm. At 34 seconds, the Green Army men march toward the house plant where they're going to set up their base until they hear Andy's mom coming out of the kitchen and they freeze. Mom comes out, accidentally steps on one of them and kicks kicks them to the side, saying she taught she thought she told Andy to pick them up. Which, how, okay, one of the soldiers in its frozen, in, in his frozen position is, like, on the ground looking through binoculars, like, laying down. And I'm like, how uncomfortable must that be to have to, like, your your frozen position that you have to be in any time humans are in the room is, like, laying on your stomach. That would be uncomfortable. I feel like... Certain toys must really hate the position that they were modeled in because they have such an annoying pose, especially like I was thinking about it. I'm like, I would hate to be like a a ballerina toy that you're in like this weird like pose. (laughs) Yeah. Does Andy's mom like not question or just not realize or think about the fact that the soldiers weren't there when she got. When she went into the kitchen. See, I questioned this. I thought, she's like, I thought I told him to pick these up, but they weren't there when she first went into the kitchen. Like, does she just not realize? 
maybe she's just so busy planning the party that she forgot that he picked them up. So when they're there, she's like, ah, he didn't pick them up, but he did pick them up. And they weren't there when she walked in the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I... I want mom's uh, leggings that she's wearing. She has very fashionable clothes. I love Andy's mom's fashion. If I was a mom, I would be dressing like her. She's got like these uh, navy blue flats on and like this navy blue leggings with these little red flowers on them. Yes. I'm like, where did you buy those? I want some. (laughs) Like, where do I get a pair of those? I'm going to have to figure out how to make some. Like, if I can draw that and put it on leggings and just have it shipped to me, I would do that in a heartbeat. (laughs) You could just look at, I don't know, take a screenshot of the movie and try to copy the pattern. Right. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure out how to make myself Andy's mom's leggings. (laughs) I mean, you can sew. This is true. I don't know if you know how to, like, make a, a pattern like that. I don't do good sewing clothes. <laughs> One leg will be longer than the other. <laughs> oh, there's uh, behind Mom in the kitchen, when you see for a second when the door opens, um, the, there's some yellow and green tile on the floor in the kitchen behind mm-hmm. her, and it has, like, some marking textures on it, like, you know, like any tile floor would get marked up sometimes, mm-hmm. but some of the textures are like repeated. Oh gosh! <laughs> I mean, it goes by in like two seconds, so it's the kind of thing you wouldn't notice unless you were watching it two minutes at a time. But right, yeah, and I've noticed that they do that a lot when it's something in the background, or if it's just something you're not really supposed to pay attention to. They'll just make a very basic texture, and they'll keep it. As minimal as possible. So they'll repeat the same one pattern over and over again. Which makes sense. I mean, you know, put more put more effort and detail into the things that are actually going to get noticed by, like, the average person watching the movie. Especially in, especially for, like, the first computer animated movie where you're having to figure every, how to do everything for the first time. Right. At this point, they're not worried about how detailed their movie is. They're just wanting to get it as good looking as possible to where it doesn't look like the horrid baby on Tin Toy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to where it looks like it looks like a real world, but it doesn't. And that it doesn't look low budget. Their movie does not yeah. look like a really cheap movie. They actually put effort and they did put a good amount of detail into it. But it's not like the movies they make now that have detail, even in the background, even if it's just a one second shot, they put so much detail into it now. And I really like that. But I also really like the very first movie that doesn't have that much detail. And that when you look at it, you laugh because you're like, this is so ancient compared to what they make now (laughs) yeah oh i noticed andy's mom when she steps on when she steps on the the soldier she says ow even though she's like wearing shoes with the heart bottom (laughs) which is something i would do too like i feel like i 
I say ow when something happens that I like think is going to hurt, even if it doesn't end up hurting. <laughs> yeah, I do that too, especially at work if I'm doing something and like either papers fall or a book gets moved and it slams on my desk. I'm like, oh, ow, like it hurt me and I'm nowhere near and this paper's falling. They're floating to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. At 52 seconds, it cuts back to the toys in Andy's room again. Rex impatiently asks, shouldn't they be there by now? What's taking them so long? And what he says, hey, these guys are professionals. They're the best. Come on, they're not lying down on the job. And then it cuts to one of my favorite jokes in the movie. <laughs> of the soldiers literally lying down on the floor after mom has kicked them to the side. <laughs> That's my favorite, too. I love that they added that just because it's. I don't know. It's just one of those jokes that you're just like, yeah, they're not doing something, but they actually are. <laughs> yeah, it's a great little like visual gag. Yes. They jump up and resume marching to the house plant until Sarge notices that the soldier mom stepped on and is injured. The soldier says that they should just go on without me. But Sarge picks him up and insists in true war movie fashion that a good soldier never leaves a man behind. <laughs> My friend and I will quote that for anything. If there's anything that happens and I tell him, just start without me or something, he'll reply, a good soldier never leaves a man behind. <laughs> That's one of our favorite scenes. <laughs> I feel like there's, I haven't seen a lot of like war movies, so I don't necessarily know all the references, but I feel like there's a lot of references to those like types of movies in, in this scene. Yeah, I am not a fan of war movies. They always make me very sad being in a family that has had military Mm -hmm. So, like, my grandpa was in World War II, my brother's currently serving right now, and just seeing all the stuff they go through, I just start bawling and crying, and then I'm depressed for the next five days, so I particularly don't watch those movies, but the ones that I have seen, they do really, like, reenact stuff like this, so I like that they try to reenact it with the little toy soldiers. Yeah. Oh. The injured soldier is actually played by um, a voice actor named Greg Berg, who is probably best known for playing in the original Muppet Babies series. He played Fozzie and Scooter. Oh. And he's also done like various voices in things like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Brave Little Toaster. Night Court, Garfield and Friends, The Road to El Dorado, and like a bunch of others. Oh, wow. I, I didn't just... realize that he was in so many things. Like, I didn't even know he was in Muppet Baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just randomly stumbled across that bit of trivia on Muppet or Pixar Wiki. <laughs> uh, I, even though I, I like wasn't even, otherwise, I wouldn't have even like thought thought to look up who the voice actor was i know he's just got that one line that poor guy <laughs> but this poor soldier like it looks like his minesweeper is bent and his feet are like detached from his base 
I'm like, how, know. Do, how do you Poor fix that short of like stealing the glue from Andy's mom's drawer or something? I know. Where are they finding all these? Are, do they have a hoard inside the plant? Like, is that their main base outside of Andy's room? Not just that. I'm like, how do they think to fix themselves? And then it's not noticeable by Andy. Like, does Andy just think, oh, mom fixed it for me? Maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe they they just like keep some glue in like a little sewing kit or something stashed away somewhere. Like a little first aid kit or something. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. One thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you're gonna bring it up later, but I really like the way they um like the way the soldiers walk, the way they actually yeah. <laughs> got to that they actually glued or nailed shoes onto a board and they the artists were walking in them to see how the movement would go yes i actually have a quote about that from our sacred, from the sacred text, text. the uh, toy story the art making of the animated feature i was going to read it later but i can read it now please on, do on pages 20 and 21 it says Pete Doctor nailed a pair of old running shoes to a big board, and his dedicated corps of artists took turns hobbling around the hallway, studying each other's awkward steps. We tried lots of different pogo sticks, uh, pogo stick jumps, different swings. Recalls Doctor, that gave us some ideas about where your energy goes when you can't move your feet, and how your hips would move relative to a base if um, you had one. Meticulous care, too, went into analyzing how plastic parachutes would open from the great height of a second floor landing and exactly how the pint-sized soldiers would sway in suburban hallway air currents while suspended from those clunky rings on their helmets. As it turned out, none of the animators could actually replicate the hippity-hop locomotion they finally engineered for their characters. But as Doctor says, that's why you animate something. You can give it moves you'd never see in the real world. You know, I never thought of that. Like, they do bounce. They're a little mm -hmm. bit more springy. And when you look at like the um, the documentary that they did, when they actually show the artist walking with it, he looks very stiff, very clunky. <laughs> he looks like he's not having a good time walking on that board. <laughs> For most of my life, I feel like I don't know when I saw first saw the behind the scenes footage of Pete Doctor wearing the shoes nailed to the board and like walking around. But I feel like that image has just been burned in my brain. Yes. <laughs> Every time I think of the little soldiers, I just have that mental image in my head. <laughs> I'll see if I can find, if I can find uh, any of that footage or like a behind the scenes feature that has that, that footage on YouTube and I'll, and I'll put it in the show notes. I think that would be good. In case I think so. Everybody needs it. that mental image in their head. Yes. <laughs> also, I feel like we keep bringing this up in every single episode, but this is more... This goes back to the whole can toys feel pain question. <laughs> like, is this guy... Is this injured guy... Uh, is he... Can he just not move? Because he's detached from his base, or is it actually, is it painful for him? 
I know, because he sounds kind of like he's in pain mm-hmm. when he says, go on without me. He sounds like he's in pain, like he's holding on by by that crooked little bent minesweeper he's holding on to. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, but then you look at him in the plant and he doesn't look as bad. Yeah. Maybe that manic just did, like, in a, in a couple of seconds, just did fixed him up somehow i don't know he fed him some glue because <laughs> it's almost like right away once they get in there that the that the medic like turns around and gives a thumbs up like he's okay i know like he's gonna live i'm like well i hope so he's a plastic toy i don't want no toys dying in this movie <laughs> and i feel like even if they couldn't fix even if they couldn't like reattach him to his base he could still I guess, learn how to walk without it. I don't know. I mean, he can walk normally. He could be the one normal person there. <laughs> Unless <laughs> his other guy. foot wasn't wasn't broken. It oh, was yeah, maybe. We really only see one, I think. Yeah. Poor little guy. <laughs> we should probably move on. <laughs> so, before we move on, now that we're in the plant oh. scene, this is what I was mad about. Okay. So, when the doctor, the medic, is giving the thumbs up and they're starting to zoom back to Sarge. The shading on his other hand that's kind of holding onto the other soldier is so, like, the contrast is so bad. They're trying to show, like, the light shining on his little plastic fingers and then the shading, but it's such a high contrast that it just looks like he has neon fingers. And it made me mad when I saw that. I was like, gross, why didn't they fix that? Oh yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. I can I can see what you're talking about. Yes, like I can understand because it was such a small area to render and it's just it's moving to the main part that's coming up, but I saw that and my eyes fixated on it and I was like, "Oh no, what is this?" It could be that like you know, there's little bits of of light coming in through the through the plant so maybe maybe that maybe and that's, that's what the i thought too like outside the plant but it does look weird it looks weird i it made me mad i was like gross <laughs> this doesn't look natural which i shouldn't even be saying it doesn't look natural because this whole cartoon is not natural it's computer animated and it's the first one so it's gonna look clunky i'm just being i'm just complaining <laughs> at this point i'm just complaining but speaking of like the lighting uh lighting stuff on the medic like his his white medic sign on his helmet like stands out so much it almost looks like it it glows yeah it looks and, like, like it's like, a little light or something like the way they render i think because he has that different color and they were trying to make the light look like it was coming in it just didn't work very well for that character. It could also be that for like his medic symbol, like they wanted they wanted to get across like really quickly and like really clearly like that he was the medic, so they made it really bright. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But, but also, yeah, that that threw me off. But also where did he come from? Because he's not I know, I didn't see him walking with, with the, the other rest guys. Of the soldiers. 
Maybe he just lives in the plant. Maybe that's the hospital. <laughs> I that if so, then I feel bad for him. I know this poor guy is separated from everybody else, just living in a plant. Probably has gnats flying around. <laughs> Mom comes and drowns him every few days. <laughs> oh man! At one sixteen, Sarge signals for the baby monitor and the soldiers on top of it to be lowered down with the jump rope. A group of about seven soldiers are seen at the top of the stairs lowering the jump rope. The men on top of the baby mo- baby monitor jump off, untie the jump rope, and carry the baby monitor to the house plant. The Luxo ball comes bouncing around the corner. And Sarge and the injured soldier hurry to reach the house plant before the kids uh, follow the ball and come around the corner. I noticed too; it seems like it almost seems like that ball, like when you first see it come around in that one shot, like it bounces and then it cuts to Sarge going like, <gasps> like and starting to hurry towards the plant, and then a second later, it's like bouncing almost from the same spot that it stopped in the previous shot. So like oh it yeah, bouncing. like it just kind of <laughs> stopped while Sarge looked at it. He's like, "I'm a ball," and then he's like, "Great, let's run." And then he's like, "I'm gonna keep bouncing." But also, of course, the the ball is the the famous Pixar slash Luxo ball. I like they- that they've hidden the Luxo ball in the movies after this movie because mm-hmm. isn't this the first time we see the Luxo ball? Well, it's in the Luxo shorts. Oh, that's right. Hello. Yeah, but they do put it in as an Easter egg, and I don't know if it's all of the rest of the movies like they do with the Pizza Planet truck, but it's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing it in Brave, but. It may have been on, like, one of the carvings. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That It could have been that. At 1 minute 34 seconds, Andy and his friends chase the ball around the corner where the house plant is into the living room where Andy is going to open his birthday gifts. Mom calls them in and tells them where to sit while the army men finish putting the baby monitor down and turn it on. It pans over to the injured soldier and the medic, which we already talked about. Sarge appears under a leaf, looks at the presents, uh, looks at the presents through his logically impossible binoculars. It says, "There they are!" Like, like he's just spotted some kind of of enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know why I never noticed this until now, but all the presents that are stacked up in the pile are the same presents that you see brought in by the kids in the earlier clip which makes sense i just never realized it yeah because usually in cartoons like when you see people holding something and then you see it like later on it's usually not the same thing or it's just like a pile like a very generic pile all colored one color yeah and i mean that's one thing where like the continuity one necessarily matter like it, it if they had a bunch of presents sitting there that weren't presents that the kids that we saw the kids bring in it would still make sense because maybe we just didn't see those right and it's not something that's super important because we're not actually looking with the kids and andy and his mom at each gift we're just looking at the pile on the table we're not thinking like well, we're gonna look at them too while he opens them 
Yeah. At 1.51, it cuts back to the toys in Andy's room, and we hear Sarge's voice over the radio saying, Come in, Mother Bird. This is Alpha Bravo. Come in, Mother Bird. While Andy tells everyone, Be quiet, 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 quiet. <laughs> Woody leans in to listen as Sarge informs them that Andy is opening up his first present. We hear Mr. Potato Head say, Mrs. Potato Head, once while Rex starts to make a, f- a face at him, and then the clip ends there. That made me laugh when I was watching the clip for the first time, just hearing Mrs. Potato Head, and then it stops. That made me laugh. <laughs> and it stops in the middle of like Rex starting to make a, a face at to him. To make a face and look at him. <laughs> but what are you saying? Like, everyone, be quiet, 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 quiet. I'm like, you're, you're being louder than everyone else is right now. Telling I know. I'm like, dude, calm down. <laughs> That's the end of this clip. I do have some other things to talk about relating to this scene. We kind of mentioned it before, but I like I love that the little green army men are just like they're like these little tiny cheap plastic toys uh with these weapons that don't do anything. They're just like completely useless and yet like they take themselves in their job so seriously (laughs) i mean like what he says they are professionals (laughs) i feel like you know how each toy kind of starts to um i guess get the personality of their child once they're played with more maybe because andy like when he plays with the little green army men he puts them in army situations So he's kind of playing war with them, and he's not playing the way he plays with Woody, with Mr. Potato Head, with Ham. And, you know, he uses his full-on imagination with them. But with the little army men, what if he just sets them up for war? And maybe that's why they're still thinking, like, we're soldiers and we have a mission to fulfill. So that's why they're so hardcore. It could also just be that they're hardcore for being hardcore. (laughs) I mean, Maybe they could, just like it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're they're like Buzz, where they just think they're soldiers and they don't realize they're toys. Exactly. Like, so, like, they know that they're Andy's toys, but they also have the mentality of like, like the way a soldier would be, just like following orders and like going through missions and stuff. And like what they're what they're made to represent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think also they did it like that so that it wouldn't be like dishonorable to if there was like a military family watching Toy Story and they're like, these soldiers are acting dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So they're taking their job very seriously so that they're not like either making fun of them or just, you know, not following what the army actually follows. So they probably thought, well, let's make them as military as possible so that it's not offensive to either like military families watching or somebody who actually, you know, like respects our military and, you know, doesn't want to see that because it's what they would consider to be like disrespectful. Yeah. I was going to mention too that the, according to the audio commentary, Sarge, actually uses real high silent hand signals from a list that they got 
and they couldn't remember if it was from the army or the navy but it's a real like those are real like hand signals that he uses oh that's cute i didn't know that i like that yeah i've also got a couple other things from the book the art and making of the animated feature there's a quote from on page 19 from John Lasseter. It says, Little green army men can't suddenly move in a way that a kid playing with them wouldn't picture them moving. They can't just act like human soldiers. When they're alive, they still have to move like toy soldiers. And also, another quote from him, uh, practically every American male had little green army men as a kid. The one standing with the minesweeper, the one on his knees with the bazooka, all of that. We had to be true to that burned-in memory. Yeah, I remember my brother had a lot of the little green army men. <laughs> my One of my brothers actually had um, like the Toy Story collection bucket of, bucket of soldiers. Oh, nice. Green Army Men. <laughs> and then in the audio commentary, the Army Men sequence, they said, was actually the first one they produced. And I think I, think I also uh, read somewhere that it was the first one they uh, storyboarded as well. Hmm. That's interesting. And then... On Pixar Wiki, it says that according to the Toy Story 2 DVD Blu-ray combo pack, some of Sarge's fellow soldiers' names are Private Benjamin, a reference to a comedy with the same name, Captain Shields, Mr. Plastic Explosives, Private FC Mojo, Corporal Thomas, who was lost in the unfortunate landmower incident. Oh, God, that's so sad. (laughs) Thorpe, Gordon the paratrooper and private jensen that's cute that they gave some of them names mm-hmm. i like that yeah and then there's a uh behind the scenes video of story artist joe ramped doing the storyboard pitch for this scene and um like sort of acting it out and and narrating it for for everyone working on the movie and there's a clip of that, or there's the video is on YouTube, so I'll I'll put that in the show notes for everyone. Oh, very to watch. nice. That's all I have. I mean, is there anything else you want to say about this scene? No, I think I'm good. There's not really too much to say because they're just setting up mm-hmm. all of their stuff. It's just kind of a going to the next scene kind of scene. Yeah. I think that's about all I have to say about it, too. So I guess we can wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow our Twitter and Facebook accounts and send us an email if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Bye. Bye.